Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. everybody welcome to the week four edition of the pro football focus show here on roto grinders as always i am joined uh by ian harditz uh ian it is a great day to be great my man how's it going you got that right brit yeah man it's uh it's crazy how this slate you know as peter Overso put it, has been flipped on his head a bit uh here with some of the injury <laughs> news that has been coming out over the past uh, few hours but yeah man i'm looking uh looking forward to this week i was in attendance at the uh Bengals jaguars game last night so on and take dude wide open they just wouldn't they, if like that <laughs> I, was, shows you. I was legit thinking about you i'm like how ian would have gone berserk if he yeah, would have just thrown it to, to tate on that play like come on like people are really like look at all the people say you can't separate there was no one within 20 yards of them they still wouldn't throw on the ball first time in history <laughs> <laughs> i'm called uh, for but okay yeah you mentioned injuries one of the cool things about doing this show uh, at least later in the week on friday is we get we get some instant reaction and we've got some of that that we'll get into maybe not instant but maybe a half an hour or an hour uh, into the show and uh, it's always great to try to dice it up live what we're going to do in certain situations um, and I guess uh, it's something like a Daryl Henderson Deontay Johnson right like what are we going to do with these guys as the week uh, weekend progresses uh, but let's jump right into this uh, as always uh, if any of you are new we like to start with Ian's article basically giving you a rundown uh, of big explosive plays and mismatches he calls it the mismatch manifesto uh you can go find it on pff this year he made it uh available to everyone for the price of free 50 so yeah. everyone can go get into that somehow uh chris collinsworth i don't even know if you talk to him but you were able to negotiate with him to make it free uh for all the people for dfs this year it's uh, not but- uh it's, it's 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 not quite chris's uh thing that he's spending <laughs> the most time with he is uh he's in the office a lot man you'd be surprised it's like oh crap chris collinsworth just walked by it's still kind of weird but uh yeah he's not quite worried about the uh, editorial content right now and whoever you got to give the hammer to in order to get some free content <laughs> for the people we're okay with it 
Uh, but tell the people basically what your article is and uh, basically then we can kind of jump into it uh, with the explosive plays. These are big plays we can expect in DFS, offensive and defense. So basically, dude, uh, let's get at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to really reinvent the wheel here. It's basically charts to show what everyone kind of already does when we're talking about matchups, what constitutes a good or bad matchup. It's a really good offense versus a bad defense. I just combined the numbers so you can see one color-coded chart red's bad blue's good and go from there so with that in mind you know using explosive pass play rate from offenses and defenses we see four quarterbacks really sticking out this week sam Darnold, jalen Hurts, russell wilson and teddy bridgewater pretty interesting crop of guys with Darnold in particular man let's find out if this cardinals offense is or excuse me panthers offense is for real because man they passed every test so far and i know they haven't had the strong competition the same can be said for that panthers defense but you know this cowboys defense has allowed the most of pass plays in the league through uh three weeks so i do think that you know robbie anderson gets some of that squeaky wheel storyline uh going for him matt rule talking about more targets i think he could be a great uh tournament option but obviously we'll get to those specific plays later and then maybe some guys that could be in trouble daniel jones Jameis winston and ben roethlisberger like it's a good thing Deontay we don't want to use any of those guys i know but it's, <laughs> a, it's a good thing deontay johnson is back this week so ben doesn't have to pretend to try to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield anymore because it has not been pretty when he's attempted to do so all right, let's move down the page just a little bit again for you guys watching on YouTube. You see all the, the letters and things like that. Uh, you can get this for free over on PFF. And if you are on YouTube, uh, give us a like and subscribe over there. Get access or notification to everything that we do here at Roto Grinders. Uh, all right, let's go to pace. And this is something ultra important. It basically helps make all the projections around the industry and stuff like that. Um, the more plays you get, the more fantasy points we can expect. What are some good matchups uh, we can expect for pace and maybe a few games we might want to avoid? Yeah, this is, you know, one of my most helpful, I think, measures to try to figure out what specific game I want to stack, you know, bring it back with someone from. I see a lot side. of blue this week. Yeah, we got some fast ones, man. Cardinals and Rams is really standing out, which, yeah, it's got, you know, such a high game total. I think we all realize that. Chiefs and Eagles and Texan Bills are a little bit more of the interesting ones. Now, I really want to set my cash line up around Josh Allen and this Bills offense this week. But, hey, if you want to, you know, you always got to throw the cash line up in at least one tournament to make sure you didn't just hit all the nuts. And if you want to do so, bringing that back with Brandon Cooks, I think could make sense. I get it. It's Davis Mills. You know, he didn't exactly look great in his first start, but targets are targets and Cooks is getting more than just about anybody at the moment. And then Chiefs Eagles. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, when, not if Tyreek Hill just has this monster explosion week, but I wouldn't be so quick to give up on Devontae Smith uh, either. Potentially. I do think Jalen Hurts, even though he's not uh, the most stylistic passer when he's putting up 300 yards, he's done so now in three of his seven starts so even going against the grain and rostering hurts in this home spot i think could make some sense you know it's we all know kc is going to put up points and as bad as you know the eagles did look on monday night football i do think a lot of these underlying metrics as we'll continue to see uh point to them potentially being able to put up some points on the board themselves right scrolling down just a little bit pressure offense and defense what's standing out this week yeah, so more good news for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is set up to have all freaking day to throw. So he's got some offensive line injuries that we'll get to. I mean, that's one of the problems with expecting to go all in on this Eagles offense. But again, it's just looking pretty good based on what we've seen through three weeks. And also Taylor Heineke, man, like I'm expecting yeah. Antonio Gibson. If he's good to go with the shin, which it sounds like from what Ron Rivera said, it's not something he's too worried about. Gibson's going to be the pretty chalky guy, I think, uh, you know, with that great running back matchup, but not necessarily 
saying we should get behind Heineke as a tournament play. I've heard worse ideas, but particularly Terry McLaurin who's out here, you know, catching uh, footballs blasted out of a cannon, Logan Thomas, even maybe a returning Curtis Samuel for the uh, Stone Cold Men 3K, all set up well against this Falcons secondary. On the other side of things, we got Davis Mills, Jacoby, Jameis, and Dak, you know, facing maybe a little bit more heat than usual, and also Zach Wilson. But I will say, you know, as much as we kind of, we, I did it before, we talk about Darnold and this soft opening stretch of the season, we're not giving enough credit to Wilson for having to overcome what he has. He had to face off against Brian Burns in that Panthers pass rush in week one. Then we had Bill Belichick's evil empire in week two. Finally, you know, Vic Fangio, Von Miller, and those guys out there in Denver week three. So it's been brutal for Wilson and these guys. But I think, you know, it's a little bit uh, too, like th these stats are showing them to be this bad more so because of their opponents than the Jets offense being that brutal. And that's my long way of saying I love Corey Davis at 5K this week. Yeah, I like Corey Davis too. I don't know if he was stole, stole one of my tournament plays, but he's certainly <laughs> on, on the radar for me this week. Uh, moving down the rest of your article here. Uh, we can go to, let's see, what's next? In the trenches, uh, running back battles. Uh, there's a couple running backs. Maybe we haven't really been to on this year that I think are going to be reasonably popular. Uh, you know, David Montgomery, does he have a good matchup this week? Is there anyone else that really stands out? We've got this Daryl Henderson with the Rams. Is he going to get all the action? Uh, what's his matchup look like? What's really standing out here for the running backs? There's four main kind of running back rooms uh, that are popping out. The Eagles, if we could, you know, guarantee their starter might get more than two carries, I think we could be a little more interested in that. Mm -hmm. It's just the Hurt Show, though. He is 10th in the NFL in total rushing yards since he took over uh, in week 14 or whatever it was last year. Like, he, he's not Lamar Jackson. Nobody is Lamar Jackson, but Hurts is a pretty uh, good middle-class man's version of him. Also, the Browns, Seahawks, and Ravens popping. The Ravens running back room is so messed up at the moment. You can't touch that. Chris Carson, though, I think is maybe going a little bit under the radar. He had the hamstring injury last week, but he came back into the game and he wasn't even listed on the injury report throughout this one. So Carson, perhaps, is someone that hasn't been getting enough love. And then with the Browns, man, you look at these high-priced backs and everyone's going to be wanting to get all the way up to Derrick Henry, which mm -hmm. I'm not disagreeing with necessarily. But, you know, we've been talking about Chubb now for the last uh, two weeks, I feel like, waiting for this liftoff game. He's still been a top 10 fantasy back, but we know, like, what his explosion game looks like and if more of the ownership is going to henry to kamaro to aaron jones or especially i think just down 200 bucks to Najee, i think chubb makes some sense in tournaments all right let's close this out with the passing game what are maybe uh, a couple of explosives of offenses uh yards per play we can get from the passing game here yeah, I mean, the Browns, man, just popping like none other. And it's always a problem with volume with this passing game. So I'm not sure if Baker would necessarily have enough pass attempts to really get it going. But OBJ with this week's best cornerback matchup. There was a time where Patrick Peterson was good at the game, but those days have been over for quite some time. And across from him is Bashad Breeland, who I think probably deserves to be called the single worst cornerback in the NFL uh, at this point. In only three games, those two combined have been targeted 34 times. They've allowed 28 catches, 439 yards, and six touchdowns. In three freaking games worth, OBJ doesn't have to worry about Jarvis Landry. doesn't have to really worry about his snaps being limited, and he looked as close to 100% as we could have hoped for last week. So just 5,800, man, like Jarvis Landry was more expensive to start the year, even when we thought OBJ was going to be playing. He's just, you know, maliciously underpriced. Final thing I'll add, you know, if we want to keep scrolling to the EPA section, uh, you know, we'll get to our not-so-good betting records, but we did hit on a nice little early-season 
trying to listen. We're turning. You can't win everyone. It just happens <laughs> that we sucked at the beginning of the season. But this happened last year too, where if you basically just bet on the team with the EPA offensive advantage, uh, you know, just versus their opponent who are underdogs, it's been leading to some nice value. So last week we had the Chargers, Bengals, and Rams not only cover but went straight up uh, in this metric. The Eagles were the loss, so maybe you know some of my charts are anointing uh, Philly a bit too soon. That Atlanta game was so dominant it could be skewing things a little bit. But anyway, this week's group features the Colts at plus one and a half, the Vikings at plus two, Eagles plus seven again, Panthers plus five, and Cardinals plus four and a half. And, you know, even just zooming out and then looking at those games individually, I do uh, like those as well. So got in, you know, a couple of these with a uh, favorite money line parlay earlier in the week. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. Um, speaking of getting in earlier in the week, that is, well, actually, I, I lost track here. Uh, that's going to end this specific segment. Uh, so again, if you want to check out Ian's article, uh, this one is free on Pro Football Focus. And uh, if you want to subscribe over there, you get access to some of the things I'll talk about. And even Ian will mix in here, uh, like grades and stuff like that throughout the rest of the show. Um, but, you know, speaking of getting, I, I stress this basically every week. We're going to talk about bets right now. You, you got to go, right? I go on, I go on Monday morning, I cash in, well, you know, whatever I can on Sunday from Sunday. And then I, I basically hit what I think are the best lines. So a couple of those, I got one so far that's looking pretty good. And that one's the Ravens right now. I got them at, at plus 1.5 right when the line opened on Monday morning. It's basically a, a, a pick them right now. And this just, this Lamar Jackson back issue, I don't know. I guess I'm not really buying it. Hollywood Brown, he's he's catching soccer balls. Uh, didn't really, <laughs> I, I saw that today. Don't really need to be catching soccer balls. Like if I was playing, if I was a goalkeeper, Ian, I would catch soccer balls. If I'm a wide receiver, if I'm a wide receiver, I'd catch footballs in practice. You think something like that would happen, but I just think um, the Ravens are getting discounted a little bit because of what happened against Detroit. And you can kind of read in here, Hollywood Brown dropped a couple of big, big touchdowns. That game could have really been out of hand pretty quickly in the Ravens favor, in my opinion. And then they had the letdown basically coming from that big win against Kansas city. Denver has had a, a pretty easy schedule to start the season here. So I just think the Ravens are a, maybe not a much better team, but they're definitely the better team in my opinion, specifically a quarterback trying to stop Lamar Jackson. He's playing great this year. So I like that at a, at a pick them right now. I think even some places have them as the favorite right now. Uh, so if you do happen to see them at a pick them at your specific book, I would urge you to get on that one. That's one of my favorites of the week. Uh, and then my, my no doubt favorite is Tom, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to absolutely smoke Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots this week. This is about as lock of a lock as I can get. It's at minus seven. Uh, I have no problem. I put like uh, whatever my normal bet is. I put five X of that on the Buccaneers at minus seven this week. Cause I just, the Patriots don't have the offensive firepower. There is no doubt Tom Brady is going to go in and he is going to light up to the best of he can, the Patriots secondary and Bill Belichick the entire game. And this is, this is like the Bills offense this week. There is no let, let off from Tom Brady this week. He's going to put it to him the best I can. So I really like that one. And then uh, the Packers, right? We liked them last week to beat the 49ers straight up. That worked out really well. And I just think them against the Steelers, Big Ben can't do anything. We've got their offensive coordinator throwing Ben Roethlisberger under the bus. He's like, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because that's what Ben Roethlisberger wants to do. And I want it to be known that I'm not really in charge of calling the offense right now. It's Ben Roethlisberger. And it's just not working. It's 25 targets to Najee Harris on fourth and 10. 
stuff like that just isn't going to get, get it done against the Packers, even though the Packers are down some starters or down MVS at wide receiver and a couple good offensive linemen. And I think a, a decent player on defense too. I just, I just don't think this somehow I got, I got the Steelers right against the bills week one. I have, I'm completely off the Steelers now. And I think the Packers should be, I guess six and a half is probably a good line. I think seven is probably the, the right one. Um, so I'll, I'll get the hook. And I think the Packers could really just almost blow out the Steelers in this game uh, at home. So those are my three bets, Ian. I'm with you on the Packers one in particular because, you know, lost in the Steelers, everyone knows how bad the offense has looked, but this defense isn't the world-beating unit they were last year. And, you know, T.J. Watt being less than 100% hasn't, you know, helped that, and he is expected to be playing this week. But they're just 13th in EPA on defense so far. And, hey, a lot of that has to do with Big Ben and company not being able to keep the ball for any extended stretch and all that but yeah like just with this line i mean rogers versus this version of roethlisberger would be enough for me to take the you know take the six and a half anyway but again adding the fact that the steelers defense not looking like the steel curtain of you know past years yeah give me the packers minus six and a half i also like the panthers uh plus four plus five if you can get them there like they played that thursday night game mm-hmm. last week and the cowboys are just coming off Monday, I feel like everybody's kind of expecting the Panthers to, you know, just lay an egg here. It's a much bigger game, I feel like, for Carolina than it is for Dallas. So I think Dallas might be the better team, but, you know, plus four, plus five. Credit to the Cowboys last week for blowing out the Eagles. That was like the first time since 2019 that we have really seen them do that with uh, Dak under center. Usually more times than not, it's whoever has the ball last in the Cowboys game is going to be the squad, uh, you know, ultimately winning the game. So even if the Panthers lose, I think they keep keep it within uh, four to five. And then, yeah, the Chiefs, I think make a lot of sense at minus seven. I, I just kind of think they're going to blow out the Eagles the same way you're thinking with the Buccaneers and the Packers. I know a lot of the metrics were good for the Eagles offense, but they don't account for existing injuries. And right now, Eagles left guard, Isaac Siamalu has a broken foot. Their right guard, Brandon Brooks, is on the short-term IR. And their left tackle, he might have already been ruled out already, but he wasn't practicing on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so, yeah, man, with a knee injury. So, Chiefs minus seven, Panthers plus four, Packers minus six and a half. This is where it all turns around, Britt. This is where the uh, records get righted, and we uh, like what we see from the bank account. Yeah, Mahomes, is, he's not uh, – I think even last year, the turnover-worthy plays and things like that, he he he, he, he was – it was possible he was going to turn the ball over quite a bit more than he did last year. Um, he just sort of got lucky in the turnover department. You know, it would hit defenders' hands, and they wouldn't catch it. This year, it, it's really not his – style of play is really not working out for him so well, far. he's been he's just been out there just gunning around like nothing yeah. man like that it should have been a walking touchdown from marcus kemp last week and you can call it a drop but Mahomes out there doing his no look bullshit you know just trying to make the highlights happen and hey like he's just getting bored of being this good but when you're one and two now you need to yeah. put your pedal to the metal and i think they get to do it against an eagles team that like honestly if they were healthy I'm not sure they have any business staying in this game. Not if they're not Chiefs all day. Uh, angry Brady, angry Mahomes, right? him to the bank account. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's yes. what I'm on. Uh, all right. Before we get into some position chatter where we'll give you uh, cash games and some tournament views, uh, I need to tell you about Jock Market. Uh, it's time to check them out. The app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code GRINDERS. Uh, You can download that in the app or play stores or check them out on Jock Market or Jock MKT. So that's J-O-C-K-M-K-T. 
Com and use code grinders for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. And I know it's a read, but I have played on jock market. It is a fun little game. You can do it in real time. Once the game's going, or you can try, you can buy and hold. Um, you can short players. If you got a lot of money in your account too, if you uh, notice like an injury or something like that, see if someone's got an order in there, it's a fun little game to play. Uh, I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, all right, let's talk some positions here. And I guess we always like to start with the cash builds of the week because um, it sort of comes into focus by the time we do the show on Friday. And I think there's there's the Josh Allen cash game build, right? But spending 8,000 on DraftKings can be a little prohibitive to the rest of your lineup sometimes. And Allen is one of those quarterbacks, the Bills, um, I was talking to our producer pre-show. They play what you would consider optimal offense until they're, even if they're up by 14 or 21, they just Throw keep the throwing ball. the ball. Yeah. So you got to like Josh Allen. Um, it's just that price tag of 8,000 is a little high. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up to him. Uh, I do like the the Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott tier. Hurts is 6,900, Prescott 6,700. I want to know where you stand on this right now because We've got about Prescott with a two to one ownership advantage here. And I don't know, Hertz is 6,900 and Prescott 6,700. Hertz, like, no matter what happens in this game, Hertz, he's going to run, he's going to pass. He's basically always come through as a floor to like a mid tier high ceiling play since he's taken over the starting job. And Prescott, while that offense is good, Carolina's defense, I think, is also good. And he's, we're not getting those read options. We're not getting Dak putting his body on the line, uh, you know, and things like that near the goal line, like we were last year. I'm so I'm looking at it. I'm tempted to maybe find the extra 200 for Hertz. Where do you stand on this? I think the field in general, um, based on everything I've looked at around the industry is I am Dak Prescott right now. I am with you on Hertz. Like he just has the far higher floor at this point. Dak is not running the ball this year. I think he has 19 rushing yards in three games. He had 19 rushing yards per game last season. And Hertz, like I said before, 10th among all running backs, all quarterbacks, everybody in rushing yards since he took over under center. He has been a top 12 quarterback. QB one, as we like to call him in every game, except for that weird Nate Sudfeld week 17 game. And even in that one hurts, didn't tank it. Cause he ran for two touchdowns before he uh, got out of the picture. So I'm with you on hurts, man. Cause the other assumption with Dak was that he was going to be throwing the ball 900 times per week. And he did in week one, hasn't been able to crack 30 the past two weeks. The Cowboys are happy to lean on Zeke and Pollard when they're running as well as they are in this defense. You know, while I don't think they're incredible, I Carolina can put up some points against them. It's also not, you know, the complete dumpster fire that was the 2020 edition. So a lot of the, uh, you know, reasons why everyone had Dak ranked as the top five QB are kind of gone at this point. I think Hertz should be ranked. You know, if we if we redid all fantasy draft stuff right now, Hertz should go ahead of Dak. Uh, and then I wanted to throw in, it's probably not like the mid-tier bill just really fits, I think, the rest of my rosters right now. Taylor Heineke, you mentioned sort of in passing earlier in the show, but I mean, he's going up against Atlanta in a dome. He's 5,900. Um, he wasn't really turning the ball over until his last couple of games, but, you know, that was against Buffalo where they had to really try to, to score some points later in the game here. Uh, he he sort, of, sort of always comes through and he's 5,900. Don't think that's a big enough. If he was like 5,200, I think I could maybe get on board with it a little bit more. Um, but if you are going cheap, he would probably be my preferred option. Do you have anyone else that you'd be eyeing in cash? 
I am going to do the Josh Allen route that you kind of alluded to. I just think that the Diggs breakout game is 100% coming. You want to get up to Derrick Henry, but I just think that between, you know, you can go cheap with Disley, cheap with the Lions, and the enough receivers and running back talent around the 5K line, it is doable to get up to it. So, no, you know, kind of learn the – that 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 whole Justin Fields thing last week. I, I don't even want to talk about it, but yeah, when I I think uh, you know we were talking about it with Kyler last week, like more and more, I just think paying up to these dual threat quarterbacks is going to help. And I know you know historically we don't love quarterbacks that are fourteen point favorites, but you like yeah, Josh Allen, this Bills offense, they're different. He's out there up twenty eight against the Dolphins, still throwing Yolo balls, yeah. you know, with ten minutes left in the game. So Josh with uh, Diggs and probably Emmanuel Sanders will be my main build. All right. What are you looking at in tournaments today? I, I see on your notes, it looks like Stafford's in. I think Stafford's even sort of cash viable. You know that game should score a ton of points. I think I'm going to like the rushing upside of a Jalen Hurts or a little bit of a discount in Prescott instead of going for the statue quarterback in Matt Stafford where you, he needs the 303 touchdowns to basically get there. Uh, but obviously for tournaments, we've got a 5% ownership on Matt Stafford. We've got a 2% on Kyler Murray. I mean, if you're able to get pieces of that game when no one else is really using them. This sounds like a bonanza in tournaments. Yeah. And the thing with Stafford last week, you know, he kind of had to open it up more, but he still only finished with 38 pass attempts because the Rams uh, just were able to get up on the Buccaneers, which we weren't really expecting. And so this one against Kyler and the Cardinals, like now we're starting to get into some of these NFC West shootouts. That I think are going to bring out the best in both offenses. So cup and woods, like I'm not, I, I realize these guys aren't necessarily like super um, contrarian plays this week with their projected ownership and all that. But I just think that we're going to see a game where Stafford gets his pass attempts into the forties and both of these guys ball out. Like I'm not worried about Woods' start to the year because everything else around him looks so great. Number three ranked scoring offense the Stafford McVay marriage is going as well as possible. Cooper cups, a great player. The number two receiver is going to step up and have some great weeks as well. Why not this one against the Cardinals secondary that, yeah, you know, when they're playing Trevor Lawrence throwing off his back foot after getting a flea flicker or a bad version of the Titans, you know, it's, 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 they can look fine against that. But I think cousins and the Vikings showed that this isn't really a secondary we need to fear. Uh, I will throw in uh, Heineke and Matt Ryan as some tournament options, uh, a game in a dome. I know weather's still reasonably good this year, but I think, both of those offenses, especially, you know, if Curtis Samuel's back, that's another, um, I don't know if he's going to be out there uh, in our fantasy teams taking us to the top to win a million dollars, but it's going to take some pressure away from Terry McLaurin, in my opinion, uh, who looks really cheap. And there's some reasonable stacking options. If you're looking for a quarterback on the cheap side, uh, those would be the two I would be looking for. Uh, all right, let's go to running back and I mentioned earlier, using some guys we haven't really been on this year. It's week four. We sort of know what's happening. Uh, and, a, and a couple of ones, Daryl Henderson, but I will, we'll hash him out on what we might do because we're really uncertain on his role. And I think I'm going to need, I'm going to need like a Schefter tweet or something that says he's going to get the majority of work to really want to use a Daryl Henderson in my cash teams this week. But someone I definitely don't need that for is David Montgomery. Uh, we were worried a little bit about um, uh, their backup running back stealing some touches at the beginning of the season. And that was true. Uh, we saw uh, 45% um, going to him in the first week, uh, down to three, 11% in week three. What that means is now David Montgomery 
he has a stranglehold on the workload in basically all situations right now. And this is the situation that led us all to use David Montgomery in the fantasy playoffs last year and win a bunch of money towards the end of the year in DFS when he was getting all the work. This is against the Lions. Uh, I think PFF has them graded as the ninth worst run grade defense team. Uh, I know the Lions are playing peekaboo, uh, hide and seek with their starting quarterback. It's, I think it's probably going to be Justin Fields, if you ask me. Uh, but this is going to be a game where if, if they can't figure out how to use Justin Fields, they're going to figure out how to give the ball to David Montgomery 20, 25 times. And we have plenty of evidence that that version of David Montgomery uh, can be very good. And I think his price is just a little bit too cheap. Uh, looking to him to anchor my teams this week, Ian. Who's someone you have your eye on? I think David Montgomery, yeah, he's in line. Him or Allen Robinson are going to get back in a major way this week. But my original lineup, I was looking at, you know, Mike Davis as a potential guy to get in there alongside Derrick Henry. But now I think there's enough value. If you want to go all the way and just trust Curtis Samuel at that 3K point, it really gives you a lot of options. I know famous last words and all that, but then that actually allows you to get Derrick Henry in a game where the Titans, you know, we're already going to give him 40 touches, but now without AJB and Julio, maybe the growing pass down work continues to increase. And then you can even squeeze Najee Harris and his, you know, 20 target projection in there as well. So Najee and Derrick Henry, I think if you can get up there, make the most sense. If not, Montgomery is perfectly fine right there at 5,800 agree with, you know, yeah, the pass down work is back and he was a top five running back at the end of last year when he had that pass down work, it just didn't seem like it was there and we, one but it's here now so get back to treating the guy like the top five back he is and then yeah i do think mike davis is about the cheapest you can go at 5100 i would have gone up to sony michelle if henderson was out obviously with him back that just makes it a situation we should try to avoid for a week i know trey sermon sitting there at 5k popping a little bit just you know projected plus minus over but man as much as he was the only running back there last week, Kyle Juszczyk, they just gave him legit, like, you know, mm -hmm. tailback snaps. And he was the one getting the two-minute targets and everything. So Sermon isn't someone that we should even expect to have more than 10 to 12 touches, even if Mitchell winds up and being sidelined. So Mike Davis, despite Cordero Patterson, you know, eating more and more into that work, remains the lead RB1, someone that's a home Home, I think they're like a one-point dog, but almost a home favorite against the Washington football team defense. That hasn't looked nearly as good as we uh, might have expected. So I still believe in uh, Mike as a quality RB2 that, again, allows you to get up to Henry and Allen and these other Bills guys. Kyle Yushek and Brandon Bolden ruining fantasy seasons for the guys. We want to have the actual touches. Uh, moving to tournaments at running back, uh, there's a, a couple of guys that I'm pretty interested in. One's going to be Jonathan Taylor. He's just 6,300. And I don't know, I'm going to go out on a limb, Ian, and I'm going to say if Peyton Barber can run for 100 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders, that Jonathan Taylor might be able to do the same, right? I think I, think I can see one of the, you know, Barber, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we don't have the graphics, but they're they're two very different looking men. Uh, I, I I expect him to be able to uh, have himself a big game. Really do for some touchdown regression. I I don't know if it was you I heard on another pod, um, but he's got ten touches inside the the ten this year. League high. And, yeah, and has no touchdowns. Eventually, that's going to come through at sixty three hundred in a tournament when I think people are going to be going down to the Montgomery, uh, Chuba Hubbard, or spending up on the Derrick Henry. 
looks like a really good tournament play, especially because we've seen Naheem Hines steal some of the touchdowns this year. And if that just goes in Taylor's favor, um, this is one of those things when I do those millionaire maker reviews, I look back at the lineups that finish in the top 10 and it's like, oh, this was the Jonathan Taylor week because he stunk for three weeks and then he has a massive game. This is exactly what that type of play looks like. The other one is I'm going, you mentioned it earlier. We got to trust the Eagles to get Miles Sanders involved a little bit here because the, the Chiefs, why did we like Eckler last week? Because the Chiefs, they let your running back do whatever the hell he wants to do. And they've got the lowest run D grade on PFF so far this year. And it's not just by a little, it's like the biggest discrepancy I've seen at the bottom of the barrel in like four or five years of looking at this PFF stuff through a couple of games. The Chiefs run D is absolutely horrendous. And he's, he's Austin Eckler-ish, won't get as many touches, won't get 20-25. But if you get, if Miles Sanders got 18 touches in this game, like he's going to beat his salary. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be looking at him this week. Uh, especially after the the low amount of touches he got last week. So those are some of my uh, tournament spots at the running back position. I think you covered it pretty well. The only guy I would add pretty much for the same reason as Jonathan Taylor is Nick Chubb. I mean, he's facing a Vikings team where I think everyone is going to want to try to get Beckham in there, which makes sense. I, I have Beckham in my current cash game build. But for tournaments, again, just looking, people are going to be going down the Najee, up to Derrick Henry. And this Vikings defense, I mean, they're fine. I think the front seven is better than the secondary, but there's still a unit that we've seen plenty of offenses that aren't even as good as Cleveland put up all sorts of points on. So Nick Chubb, again, we know he has the 200-yard multi-touchdown game in his bag of tricks. Kareem Hunt will continue to be involved because he's pretty great too. And you can argue he's a good tournament play as well. Uh, it's just like because these guys coexist together, people just not touching them in DFS, we're still looking at top 10 running backs, people. So yeah, I really like that uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, call. I mean, even before Peyton Barber, Moss and Singletary combined for three touchdowns against the Dolphins in week two. And we even had Damon Harris hit the century mark as well in week one. So he has that knee injury. They're listing him as questionable, but he practiced in a limited fashion all week. I don't trust the Colts to stay with too many teams, which would make you think, hey, maybe could it be a Naeem Hines week, but a Jacoby Brissett version of the Dolphins. Okay, I think they can keep this one close for a bit. All right. Uh, I want to talk about wide receivers, but real quick, I did mention things like ownership percentages and my Millionaire Maker article, both the uh, 2020 recap and I just released the first three weeks version of, of a recap. If you want to get access to those, you do need Roto Grinders Premium. If all you care about is football, we offer just a very specific football package. If you want all the sports, you can get a Roto Grinders Premium account that covers it across the board for every sport. Uh, check that out at rotogrinders.com if you want access to all of that fun stuff. Uh, all right, let's go to wide receivers. And I want to, I guess I'm, I want to talk DJ Moore with you off the top here, because he looks like he's going to be the most popular wide receiver this week. No CMC. We see his targets really increase. However, he is going up against PFS. Well, maybe not the whole game, but at least for a, a version of the game. Number one cover corner in Trayvon Diggs who has shut down Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and Devontae Smith through three weeks. So three reasonably good wide receivers. What matters more, Ian, in, in DFS? The wide receiver cornerback matchups as tiebreakers or the amount of targets we've seen DJ Moore get? How good is Trayvon Diggs? What should we be worried here? The price is really nice to get uh, a portion of that game. Amari Cooper's price is also very cheap too. Those are going to be two of the most popular wide receivers on DraftKings this week, 
but just how important is a wide receiver cornerback matchup in here? Because this looks like a, a really good wide receiver against what looks like one of the new better cornerbacks in the league. It's just a tiebreaker, man. We look, we saw Trayvon Diggs come out in week one, do a really good job and help limit Mike Evans, but we still had AB and Goblin going nuts and Diggs didn't specifically cover Evans, you know, one-on-one that whole game. They just ended up being matched up a bit because of the way it worked out. And week two, he shadowed Keenan Allen, who still went for a hundred yards. Now he had to work for it, but we don't really care how hard he had to work for it, what style points, you know, were involved or whatever, still managed to beat it. And last week, like, yeah, he ended up taken away Devonte smith pretty well still wasn't a shadow situation though and we saw jalen hurts hit go for over 300 so i would expect Diggs to shadow dj Moore. but again if he keeps getting these 10 plus target workloads i don't really think it's going to matter great defense i think is beaten by great offense in today's nfl i know we're talking dj Moore for uh, cash but man robbie anderson i think is one of the best tournament plays of the week at wide receiver like we just lost christian mccaffrey in this offense that is humongous they're not going to funnel the exact same amount of targets to chuba hubbard and royce freeman they're probably gonna get the number two receiver that they just re-signed to a long-term extension in august who has had two down games and whose coach has been talking all freaking week about getting him more involved so Cowboys defense, as good as Diggs has looked, man, they have allowed the most explosive pass plays in the league to this point. I think DJ and Robbie could have themselves some nice games. Yeah, I like Anderson uh, quite a bit in tournaments. Probably wouldn't do that in cash. I think I do prefer DJ Moore, and I'm sort of on the train you are, where um, if if DJ Moore was priced, if he got the Cooper Cup price hike, maybe we wouldn't be on him, but he hasn't gotten that yet. Maybe that's coming next week. Uh, but his price around the industry, I think he's pretty good. Uh, Amari Cooper is another guy. He's at 6K, right? The mid-tier wide receiver build of legitimate. I mean, is Amari Cooper the number one option? It's 1-1-A between him and uh, C.D. Lamb. But he's just 6K. He had a rib injury, a little bit of a down performance. The Cowboys were able to run all over the Eagles last week. That allowed his price to, to drop down a little bit. And that 6K price tag uh, is just a little bit too cheap. Uh, I, you do, you can't, if you don't play the big dog, uh, you can get to Cooper cup or Devonte Adams pretty easily. I think on both sites this week, what do you, what do we got? We got the long track record of Devonte Adams, right. Who is just always has all the target share. And then we have a three game sample of Cooper cup getting a target share that even Devonte Adams would be jealous of Ian. Who do we play between these two here? We got the huge total game. In Los Angeles, we've got a lower total game, but you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to Devontae Adams with no MVS. I don't know. If you give them both 13 or 14 targets this week, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, I, I, I give a nod to Devontae. You know, you mentioned the no MVS, and it just wouldn't really even matter if MVS was in there. I mean, I think it was uh, Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football talking about, like, so many of the short screens they throw Devontae are more or less extensions of their run game. Like, you just don't see other receivers schemed up these sort of just sure thing targets the same way Adams is. And that's why, you know, even we kind of got thrown off the scent a little bit in the offseason, but, like, he really never should have been going behind Tyreek Hill and fantasy drafts because he's just has this unfair target workload that we don't see elsewhere so in his last 16 regular season games not impacted by injury 180 targets 137 catches 1647 yards 19 touchdowns cups doing his thing but we've seen Devonte doing the same thing at an almost higher level for a much longer time um and robert woods cash game 5300 
Uh, I think he is certainly viable. It's not always going to be Cooper Cup. And with all these injuries, like the 3K receivers are back. This is week one all over again. And you've got some Curtis Samuel. I think he's interesting. You've got uh, who do who do we got here from Westbrook Akina? Like is, he's the Titans number one wide receiver. You've got, um, you know, more for a tournaments. I think you've got uh, D Jackson Van Jefferson again. One of those guys is probably going to have a big game almost like every week basically with how good Matt Stafford is in that offense and the ability of them to just chuck the ball down the field. Um, so you do have some 3K wide receivers this week. I don't think that is something you need for cash, at least at this point on Friday. Uh, but I do want to know it, they are back to being a little bit more viable than they have been in both weeks two and three. Uh, what about for, for cash? Who are you really looking at? Uh, I think, you know, you've got some really nice plays here too. Yeah, I mean, going off the Josh Allen build, I'm getting Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders in there. We've seen Manny making the plays. Diggs has been so close. One of the top five receivers from last week in unrealized air yards. He was wide open on a blown coverage. That should have been like a 50-yard touchdown, but Josh just accidentally sailed it out of bounds. And then he went deep for like a 40-yard potential score, and the ball went just off his fingertips. Wasn't a drop. Could have been on him a little bit better, but they're close, and I, I just don't really see anyone in this Houston secondary being able to deal with uh, this juggernaut Bills offense, which seems to be clicking after uh, you know slow first two weeks of the season. I do think that just going down to Curtis Samuel, man, at 3K allows you to get Najee and Derrick Henry and these Bills receivers. So I am drinking that Kool-Aid at least for the time being. And then also Odo Beckham at 5,800. He just shouldn't be that cheap in this matchup. And we're looking now at eight to 10 targets for him, which we couldn't guarantee last year when Jarvis Landry was in the picture. But now that we have the great version of Baker Mayfield, a healthy OBJ, who, again, just can't overstate how good he did look last week in a much tougher matchup against Jalen Johnson and that Bears secondary all wheels up for OBJ. Moving on to some of the tournament ones, though, I think maybe getting off of OBJ to Donovan Peoples-Jones at 3,200 can help differentiate some things potentially. You know, he's going really under the radar because of all the Titans guys and because of Curtis Samuel now. But if you look last week, man, the days of Anthony Schwartz is dominating this offense's air yards and snaps were over. Donovan Peoples-Jones actually played a little bit more than Beckham in that game. And he does seem to be more solidified in two wide receiver sets. So, you know, he's someone that we have seen them give chunk deep balls to. So, you you know, you're, you're risking a lot, you know, for three or four targets potentially in a best case scenario. But I do think just based on these other cheap receivers around him, it gives you some nice leverage over the field. Um, also, I'm not against going back to the Bears if Justin Fields is under center. Again, Allen Robinson is a nice pivot off of David Montgomery, who I know a lot of people are going to be on. And even Darno Mooney down there at 3,900. So I will say, though, man, favorite one of all, and we already talked about it, is Robbie Anderson. The squeaky wheel, the matchup, everything's going his way. Don't be surprised if we see Robbie getting loose deep this week. Yeah, we have Robbie Anderson. That's Friday. It'll probably bump up a little bit by the time Sunday comes around. But just I think it was at around 5%. Uh, that's probably going to be a little bit too low in my opinion, uh, but I do like him, especially if you're trying to pick a one-off from that team, DJ Moore is just going to be too popular as a one-off. Like you don't want to play the one-off most popular wide receiver, unless of course it's Cooper Cup. He scores 5,000 fantasy points every game, uh, but he's expensive now. So I would look uh, to maybe use uh, a guy like Anderson for a little bit of leverage off of DJ Moore. Uh, I like McLaurin and Ridley instead of the Cowboys and Carolina game as some one-off wide receivers for you to target. Uh, those guys look pretty good. Uh, Corey Davis, we both liked him. 
Uh, if you're looking for PPR, it looks like Jalen Waddle. He goes from uh, mega deep threat to catching two-yard passes from Jacoby Brissett. But those PPR points do count on DraftKings.com, uh, a little bit less so on FanDuel. But those can rack up pretty good. And then you've got a bunch of those 3K wide receivers. And my dog is sneezing in the corner here. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute while you talk some what tight ends. What the hell is that noise? All right, with the tight end picture, people, Gerald Everett is on the COVID list and not looking likely to play on Sunday. And with that, we get a gift in the form of Will Disley at the cool price of just 2,600. We see some of these tight ends emerge and it's a trap, you know, but Disley is actually someone in the past where he has like multi-touch, multi-upside touchdown. Jeez. You can see him score multiple touchdowns in a game because he's done it several times before. And having someone like Russell Wilson at quarterback just helps soothe my concerns compared to some of these other uh, cheap tight ends that maybe have, you know, roughed up our lineups over the years. If you want to go up a little bit more, I still think there are some options. Dawson Knox at 3,600. He is now playing every down role in the Bills offense that, you know, we've been talking about. And then even going up a little bit higher, you got your just sickies with the Dolphins. You know, it's always tough to tell his usage, but it looked pretty great last week. And with Jacoby still under center, I do think it make, make, makes sense if he keeps feeding that, you know, central area of the field, all the water all the Jusicki. but my favorite play Britt of the whole slate we haven't even mentioned him yet Kyle Pitts at 5k let's get it Russell Gage still out that means there should be more slot more out wide usage for Pitts his snaps have increased every single week we're looking at a full-time player and the reason why people are down on this guy is because he didn't get a freaking target until there was 10 minutes in the game last week that sucks. That was unfortunate. That was also last week. And now we get a Washington secondary that really against the Giants and Bills over the past two weeks hasn't looked close to slowing them down at all. Pretty mediocre against the Chargers uh, as well. So one of the more disappointing defenses facing one of the more disappointing offenses. I get, you know, instilling a bunch of confidence and Matt Ryan doesn't feel all that good, but I do think as washed as big Ben is Ryan isn't quite at that point. I still think Ridley and Kyle Pitts should be able to have some big ones. What better day to have it than again against a Washington football team defense that we just haven't seen be the sort of world beaters we were expecting them to be. I'm happy to announce uh, my little beagle has fully recovered from his sneeze attack <laughs> and has laid down and gone back to sleep. So uh, back to some tight ends. Uh, I do like, I, you mentioned Disley. I think there's a small chance Gerald Everett can play. He is vaccinated. You can sort of like read between the lines on things like that. So if he tests negative twice before Sunday, like if he tests negative, I think Saturday and Sunday morning before the game, I believe he can play. So there is a small chance that he will be eligible to play on Sunday. So before you jam in, Will Disley, do keep an eye on that situation because if Everett plays, Everett's like definitely going to be the dude I'm, I'm going to be ha have a lot of interest in, especially if the people are going to be playing Evan Ingram because uh, Evan Ingram is not it. He is the cheap tight end. I think a lot of people are using, and I know there's, there's like, you know, they're down a couple wide receivers, but I just, Evan Ingram has not been it for a very long time. Um, not someone I have a lot of interest in, honestly. So I would probably play Will Disley or a Gerald Everett over an Evan Ingram for cheap. I do think Gusecki, I think those Jacoby Brissett dump offs are real. He's not going to push the ball down the field because it makes a lot of sense, right? You've got Will Fuller and Devontae Parker dragging the, the defenders, you know, down the field and you've just got wide open field for Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. It does make a lot of sense as to why those two did have a reasonably good game, at least PPR wise. 
Uh, I think Tyler Higby did not get a big enough of a price bump. You know, he's in every snap involved in just about every play involved near the red zone type of player. I think his price is still pretty reasonable. And then Logan Thomas just looks like uh, a man amongst boys. The Curtis Samuel returning maybe knocks his target share down a little, but you know, he's in the red zone. It's not going to be little Curtis Samuel. It's big Logan Thomas going to be catching and Terry McLaurin catching the touchdowns for Washington. So I think those are good. And then, in tournaments this week, it's just going to be if if everyone's playing Evan Ingram, if everyone's playing Will Disley, if everyone's playing like whatever the cheap tight end of the week becomes, even the cheap two tight ends, because we might have two of those, avoid them like the plague in tournaments. Uh, they just eat up too much ownership by the time it's all said and done. And even though on a baseline projection, players like Evan Ingram and a Gerald Everett or a Will Disley, right, they should get four to five targets. Their upside just it doesn't match Kyle Pitts and Logan Thomas and Tyler Higby and Hawkinson and Kelsey, right? So when everyone's using those cheap tight ends, um, if they become ultra popular by the time Sunday morning comes around, just avoid them like the plague in tournaments, looking at all, uh, at least in the ultra large field tournaments like the Millionaire Maker and the Slant and whatever the, the play action, the $3, the stuff like that on DraftKings. Just Years and years of looking at the millionaire maker data, those dudes are not it when you need to have a winning lineup. The ultra popular cheap tight end uh, avoid like the plague in tournaments. Uh, you got a couple defenses, Ian. We can wrap it up there and then uh, get on out of here, make some teams, and see you next week for week five, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, the one I've just been again filling, I have used up every single dollar of salary in my current cash build. And I got to get down to the Lions at 2,200 in order to do so. Their defense is awful. But even if Fields or, you know, I'm assuming Fields is going to go under there. We can't assume anything with Nagy, but assuming Fields is there, I think he'll play much better. But these quarterbacks that hold the ball this long just kind of lend themselves to taking sacks, having fumbles, and basically creating a good day for the defense they're facing. So, I would also say, you know, maybe getting the Ravens at 3,400. They're a little bit more contrarian in tournaments where, again, I know they haven't been great, but you look at Teddy Bridgewater's behind the, you know, uh, be beyond the box score metrics, and this dude is holding the ball an awfully long time. I'm a little bit concerned when he's going up against a blitz-happy defense like the Ravens. Might try and make him speed that clock along just a little bit. Yeah, man, I would say that's it. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't think you need to really go too expensive this week, but. Well, I want to throw, the, I want to throw this out yet because currently we have three teams combined that are going to eat up. Well, actually I'm looking at our ownership percentages. We have four teams eating up. I'm going to do some quick math over about 60% of the ownership right now. They're all cheap. We've got the Seahawks, Falcons, Lions, and Jets all towards the bottom of DraftKings and DraftKings does lend itself to the cheap defense this week but we're all, everyone's going to be using those so you can get there in large field tournaments on one of the more popular defenses but you can you can also win a million dollars with a zero or a negative from defense that's also happened because the position's just so weird um and you know it's okay to take shots on the cheap ones because if you don't spend a lot of money uh, you are able to make that up in skill position players um but i think the the cheap defenses are almost they're almost too popular, Ian. Why not take a why not take a shot on the Giants against Jameis Winston, right? Jameis Winston stinks, and the the Giants might be able to get there. Why not take a shot on the Colts against Jacoby Brissett for just a, a couple hundred more? Yeah. Um, I mean the 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 Bills defense they're going to score like seventeen, but they're forty three hundred. You you need like twenty five basically once you get up that high on a defense. But just um, 
you know, I usually like the cheap defenses, but it seems like everyone's on them this week. I might look into to spend up a little bit in tournaments this week. Oh, in tournaments, I think it always makes sense to spend up. We've been doing that most of the weeks on here, but I, I just can't get off of these cheap guys in the cash build. It's, it's too enticing to be able to squeeze yeah. the rest of the guys in. But yeah, I mean, even going up all the way, to, I would say if anything, man, like the New Orleans, like if you wanted to really spend up for one, having the Saints back in the Superdome for the first game, man, it just it's got those uh, return from Hurricane Katrina vibes, and you get to see uh, against that, Daniel you know. Jones. Yeah, that's that's a great one. That's what, and to be fair, Daniel Jones is playing some great ball this year, but like, I don't trust Jason Garrett to really put him in a position to make that continue to happen. So yeah, Daniel and Daniel Jones is like the king of freaking fumbling as great as he has yeah. uh, been throwing the football this year. Um, what's the, there's, there's the broke woke, right? You, you broke or, you know, woke is yes. Derek Henry and then, you know, 30 touches, 222 yards and three touchdowns and broke is the Jets defense. What if that flips around this weekend? <laughs> we'll, we'll freaking see, man. 2K for that defense. Hey, man, if they can stop. Yeah, they're not going to stop. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. Come on. Come on. All right, we'll get out of here on that one. Uh, as always, Ian, uh, great doing the show with you. Again, yes, sir. if you guys are new to this show, you can check out Ian's main article, uh, The Mismatch Manifesto, that is over on Pro Football Focus. They have a little search bar. You can type in Ian Harditz. You'll be able to find that particular article for free on Pro Football Focus. Uh, go check that out. Um, if you want access to anything here at Roto-Grinders Premium, uh, check us out. And I do want to note, I did, uh, I got a little birdie in my ear. Uh, has told me during the show, uh, I mentioned Jock Market. They are running back there, uh, basically uh, allowing you to free roll for a week. So if you are a new depositor, your first try of the market is on them up to $100. So you deposit 50, you get the bonus of 50. Uh, you can mess around with that $100. And if you do happen to lose that week, they will refund you up to that $100 uh, as their first market guarantee. So make sure to go check them out as uh, the, the read on the show today. And Ian, other than that, we got to get out of here, man. Lots to do, lots of football, lots of money. Uh, how come there's no football on Friday nights? Like, I know there's some college. They should, like, we just need no, NFL every single day, dude. No, you got to give the high schools their, got to give the high schools their day. I think that's like legit in, no, like there's like a Saturday is, Saturday's a contract with something like that. I so. think there's also that contract uh, to give the high school guys their day. Come on. It's all good. It, it, um, it helps, uh, helps the wait. And, you know, it gives you a night with the, uh, with the lady friends of the world to uh, not completely make them hate us. So I I'll take it. All right. We're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, thanks to Ian for doing the show with me. Thanks to all you for watching, listening, subscribing, clicking like, whatever it is you're doing for us here at Roto-Grinders. We greatly appreciate it. I'm Britt. He's Ian. Thanks for watching. And we out you.